Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/spoken today. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph on Wednesday. We are wedged in between the day and night sessions at the moment as we come to you. Simon Briggs from The Telegraph, Catherine Whitaker from Eurosport, and myself, David Law, from BBC Radio 5 Live. On what has been a dramatic day here at the US Open, a day that really we didn't expect to be dramatic, uh, from a perspective of Johanna Conter of Great Britain, who was leading by a set to love. She was absolutely cruising along and then she collapsed at the end of the second set had lengthy treatment and still ended up coming back to win the match that is just one of many stories Novak Djokovic today didn't end up having to play a match because his opponent Yuri Vesely was uh, forced to withdraw from the tournament because of a left forearm injury so a nice free easy passage for Djokovic through Nadal still to come we'll update you on his progress after that one's done but first and foremost Catherine drama on that court Carl Edmund had won he came through comfortably and on the same court Johanna Conta looked like she was going to do the same and then it all started to to go horribly wrong yeah the con- it's impossible to overstate really just how challenging the conditions on that court were I was uh, it, it's a weird one because the actual air temperature today is cooler than it's been on other days it's by no means cool but it is you know and we're standing here now there's a nice breeze it feels fine over there it was not fine. It was a completely airless court. It's about 85-90% humidity. I was struggling to stand up just standing there courtside. I, I was in quite a bad way, in all honesty. And she was... Well, both of them were out there trying to play tennis. And it, it, she was absolutely fine in that first set. But then it hits you with... You know, it's fluid loss and everything. You know, you, you that's how it gets you dehydration, all the rest of it. She hasn't come into press at this stage. So we don't know. Obviously... There's the cramping rule, which she she can't have been treated for cramp because had that been the case, she would have had to have conceded that second set. At the moment she collapsed, she was set point down and it was second serve. Uh, so in order to receive treatment for cramp, it would have had to have been between sets, in which case she would have had to concede that set. She didn't. After that enormous delay to be diagnosed and then treated, she then came out served a second service fault and that was the end of the set and then she went out for a lengthy bathroom break as far as I know that's within the rules and frankly why wouldn't she uh, I can understand why Peronkova might not feel great about it she, she just she despite looking pretty breezy in those challenge, challenging conditions completely fell apart in the third set it I mean I, I don't really know <laughs> What happened out there was extraordinary, other than that 
I'm struggling to find the words for how challenging those conditions were, really. Yeah, maybe I'm uh, faint of heart, but I was in a bad way out there just trying to stand up. Simon, it it made me think of the the match that Murray played a a couple of years ago when he he cramped up in the early rounds and he ended up going five sets um, in in a similar kind of sultry and cloudy day, which... In terms of the headline temperature and the feel, it didn't feel quite as necessarily quite as hot, but just so draining and, and heavy. Was it Robin Harser, maybe? Yeah, there was an interesting little note from Kyle Edmund earlier on saying that he tries to avoid fist pumping in these conditions. Because when, when I was during his interview with me on Five Live, because I actually had to break the news to him about the fact that Contour had, mm-hmm. had collapsed, and and he, he he was saying exactly that 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 um, you know I, I've learned my lesson that you have to keep emotionally stable throughout the match because if you get too engaged, that's when you you do start to cramp even more. I think Naomi Brody said that she her her forearm cramped up yesterday when she performed a fist pump during the match against Laura Robson. So. There's an interesting mind-body uh, connection, but it's not entirely a, a solely physical phenomenon. There's, there's a stress-related element to it. There's an excitement, adrenaline-related element to it. But, I mean, my takeaway from this whole thing is uh, just pure admiration, really, for, for Joe's courage. I mean, uh, it's frightening when people, but it happens to people. I remember Jamie Hampton suffering a full-body cramp the first year I was here. I think she was playing the, the late lamented Elena Baltacher at the time. Or was it Kyotovon? It's one of the British w- women. And, uh, you know, she had to be carted off the court and you wondered for her, her health and whether she was going to go to the hospital. And Joe was in the same position. And then suddenly she was back on the court contesting the third set, playing drop shots, playing tactically fantastic, smart tennis to get round Bronkova, who was clearly banjacked by the whole thing and had no idea what to do. Uh, and it was just a monumental feat of Dunkirk spirit. And not only that, I think... Uh great credit to her for, for settling herself down because it, it was I, I only learnt of her having had this turn for the worse when she was on the ground on the court um, and and it was distressing to look at it and I, I, can, I can only imagine the shock that she must have been going through because she was talking about having uh, sort of blurred vision and or at least shivering and and heartbeat racing and um, yeah it was it was deeply unpleasant so to settle herself down is, is quite an achievement, really, of, of mind over body, really. Well, she had to play another eight games. You know, and you, 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 <laughs> I thought a lot of those games had 20-shot rallies uh, quite regularly. She wasn't anything like at her best even before <laughs> she started to, to, to have this attack. She was already losing her backhand, so she was reduced to sort of slicing on one side. She wasn't at full power even before the attack struck her. She was even less... Uh, kind of all, all, all systems go clearly after it has happened and, and yet uh, you do have an advantage maybe with your opponent is completely discombobulated so she took advantage of that but still to, to win the match I mean that's unheard of yeah, no, absolutely right. Well, we'll hear what she's got to say in the press conference, uh, or at least we'll tell you about it uh, once I've come out of the press conference, uh, which is going to happen shortly. We've just had a huge shock with Milos Raonic going out of the tournament, the Wimbledon runner-up, the wi- runner-up at Queen's to Ryan Harrison, and, and I think he may have been suffering there. too. Yeah, I was out there a minute ago, yeah, and he could not move at the end of the, uh, the third set. I went out there and it was two hours, 30 minutes. And uh, <coughs> they hadn't even got to the end of the third set, and he was uh, one of his legs was locked up completely. He could barely move. He was he was like a bear just come out of hibernation. And uh, Harrison was was still flowing pretty well, and it was just a case of, of, of making enough balls while um, Ryanich lumbered to a standstill. So that was another physical 
um, result 100%. Well, it's horrible to see Johanna Contes just coming into her press conference now, so we'll go into that and then we'll let you know what she said afterwards. So we've just come out of the press conference with Johanna Conta and she has revealed the details of what she went through. It does sound particularly unpleasant, but it also sounds, I have to say, pretty much what I, what I thought it might sound like. I didn't think she'd necessarily be quite as forthcoming as she was in the press conference, but she detailed that it wasn't just the, the sheer physicality of the situation, the heat and the humidity that pushed her into a position where she started to, to, in her words, hyperventilate as she was trying to control her breathing. And she said that if anybody here has ever had a panic attack, it's like that, except you feel like your whole muscles are tightening and locking up as well. And, and I think um, it's not something alien to tennis players. I've seen it a lot in the past. Anna Ivanovic, I know, has suffered from that in the past on courts, feeling of hyperventilation. And, and I've heard players describe it as, as like having worried, worried at least, that they might be having a heart attack or something like that. I remember Xavier Melis in the Wimbledon semi-finals of 2002 had to stop for a period of time to let his heartbeat calm down and obviously we've seen many other players uh, and a more, much more extreme example would be somebody like Marty Fish who uh, was was very concerned about a, a heart condition but you know the, sometimes there's a combination of things going on but fair enough to Joe Conta she was up front and explained that situation and she said that I feel really proud of myself that I was able to manage that situation, calm myself down, come back out and still win the match and in that regard, on a personal note I still have huge admiration for that because that is not easy. Yeah, what she said in there really um, really resonated with me and really um, gave me a picture exactly of what she was going through because just witnessing it, it was um, bizarre and extraordinary and, and uncomfortable but I mean, I've experienced panic attacks. Uh, they are horrendous, both mentally and physically. And you feel silly afterwards. She kept on using the word embarrassing. But in that moment, it is just so suffocatingly terrible. Uh, you can't describe, but then you can't recapture that moment afterwards. You can't put yourself in that mindset um, after the fact. Um, and those conditions... I keep coming back to them. They weren't the hottest in the world, but they were utterly claustrophobic. They were utterly oppressive. And that's the, that's the sort of situation, those are the sort of circumstances that can just send your body into sheer panic. It was shock and panic and... and uh, I mean, yeah, the, look, the symptoms looked an awful lot like cramp. She didn't use the word cramp. If it had been cramp, then rules were broken. I, I believe that it wasn't. I, it, I mean, that... It tallies for me what she was going through, and uh, I feel bad for her that she feels embarrassed. She was very frank in terms of she has sympathy with Peronkova being upset about the toilet break, but she she said my clothes were soaked through. I had to go and change my clothes. It was within the rules. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you do that? Um, and she, she said I was just trying to deal with it the best I could. Yeah, and I, I think it's one of those situations where Peronkova is completely uh, right to be feel a bit miffed, and I think we all would in her in in her shoes. Although she was very gracious, wasn't she? She was incredibly so, but equally, would we not have done what Joe Conta did in her shoes? I, I'm not sure any of us really could say that we wouldn't. What it does mean, Simon Briggs, is that 
she's a heck of a lot more likely to make a full recovery in time for her next match now um, I think because uh, the, the reason that I, ha- I questioned at the time whether it was just cramp a play here in, in, in a sort of stricted sense of the word that we've seen with players like Jack Sock here last year and so forth I don't think, I don't think I've seen players recover from that level of cramp in the past so I'm, I'm not that surprised uh, as to, to what the, the symptoms that she was experiencing and the reasons for them ended up being but you know it does mean that she is more likely to make a full recovery for the next match against Belinda Bencic I would have thought yeah, she said that she was uh, recovering as best she could. Uh, there's an interesting um, element of stigma that can attach to these moments, isn't there? The, Victoria Azarenka was uh, attacked by a lot of people after she went off the court in Australia. 2013 um, slam final against Sloane Stephens. Um, semi-final, yeah. Yeah, semi-final. And uh, there was a lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of backlash. I mean, there won't be the, the same. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Here, because... Uh, I think it's a much more uh, dramatic physical manifestation that, that, that Johanna's had. But it's interesting that she felt embarrassed. I mean, there will be some people who say, was this a mental attack? Was it a physical attack? Should she have been given what was basically half an hour, really, to recover in the middle of a match? And wasn't it unfair that, that Pironkova wasn't the winner? And, and these kind of questions are unanswerable, really. And I think I come back to what I said before. You have to admire her for her courage. Uh, and uh, yeah, I think physically it, it shouldn't necessarily leave a massive uh, amount of uh, hangover for her. But having said that, Christ, crikey, none of us have much idea of what she's going through, what it was like, the medical implications. It's a pretty grey area, isn't it? I mean, there's probably, these, again, mind-body uh, connections, they're, they're different in every case. So anyone's guess to some extent. And the point, obviously, Catherine made before of... of- having been out there yourself you do have a, a, at least a, a general sense of what it was like in terms of the conditions and it was oppressive and it was uh, debilitating but anyway thankfully she isn't as unwell as we, we were all concerned she might be and she will she will play another match against Belinda Bencic let's talk about something else shall we a little bit more happy and uh, uh, other matches that we've had today we've had Raonic go out he's not very well uh, Djokovic is through but you know aside from that Kyle Edmund he was excellent today. 
He was really excellent today. I think he thinks he was a bit less excellent than he was against Gasquet. I was watching a point on, a point off, sheltering in shade. Um, and uh, maybe I missed some of the less good points, but I thought he was great. Uh, Escobedo didn't give him much rhythm, very flashy player. A um, lot of talent, definitely. But Carl was just so mature again, really, really mature performance. I was a bit concerned for him because it was a very different dynamic. Grand, I don't think he's ever gone into a second round Grand Slam match expected so strongly to win and um, you know he does put a lot of pressure on himself he's a very intense young man so I was a bit concerned that that might get to him and there were some signs of that early on but they ebbed away and uh, yeah it was never in doubt by sort of midway through the second set really I imagine you were following that one closely Simon yeah I was out there most of it I think he didn't play well first set but he he would definitely improved once he got uh, through that which is quite tricky because he's down set point at, at uh, four or five and he served well throughout the set when he was in trouble. One thing I did notice, a couple of Andy Murray-esque lobs. Yeah, I saw the same thing. And, and I was thinking, I think I commentated on Five Live at the time, that Andy Murray would be nodding at the, the one that he, he lifted when stretched way out to his right, lifted a lob, put it on the baseline, won the point, proper scrapper's point. I mean, that's not necessarily what we've um, seen from Kyle in his developmental years. He was pretty one-dimensional. I mean, the dimension was pretty awesome. It was this a crazy sort of flamethrower of a forehand so that was a great dimension to have but uh, I just think you know he's got a bit of a mentorship going with Andy and and maybe some of the uh, the variations we saw for him today are really rubbing off in a quite a personal way you know when they went up to the net there was pretty much one winner uh, Escobedo had no uh, clue what to do with Kyle when he started to do things that are slightly different and we don't necessarily think of Kyle as somebody who does stuff differently somebody who shows touch and feel and guile and lobs and and, and approaches and drop shots and he was doing them and and uh, you know that was impressive and he and he he scored actually higher with those than he did going left to right and playing shuttling ground stroke rallies can he beat john isner can i mean who knows what john Isner is going to be like he's had a four setter and a five setter he can get tired he he, he i don't think he goes through enough of these long matches to get used to them um, it'll, a lot of it come down to Carl's return probably still not the strongest part of his game got to put a lot of balls back in court make him play tie breaks and just a quick word from you Simon on what you saw from Andy Murray last night I mean he couldn't have looked better really could he yeah I kind of felt like given the title now oh come on don't be silly <laughs> well, actually incidentally j- just quickly um, Catherine what, what do you think about this uh, the fact that Djokovic got through without playing today does that help him does that hinder him I mean it gives him more time to recover but I kind of feel as though he needs to find some rhythm and routine and, 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 and start to feel like the best player in the world again yeah certainly people uh, wiser than me seem to think it's probably more of a negative than a positive uh, heard the guys back in the Eurosports studio talking Annabelle uh, Croft and Greg Rosetsky saying they thought it was a negative he just needs matches he needs uh, to build the momentum you know shift through the gears as the top guys do through the early rounds um, and this all sort of set in one gear behind where he would like to be but then if the injuries are as as bad as they at moments looked uh, on well, whenever it was Monday night then it can only be a good thing. Resting, resting injured parts of your body surely is, it can only be a good thing. So uh, possibly it swings around about situation. What do you think, son? Yeah, Novak's such a mystery right now. We don't know what's going through emotionally, what he's going through physically. 
Yeah, Barrett Becker was quite uh, outspoken on the Tuesday saying, oh, we had a great practice day today. We really enjoyed it. Uh, and that was sort of like uh, almost protesting too much, wasn't it? But who knows what is going on with, with anybody in that camp. I just think it's, it's an utter mystery. And, and one day Novak will write his book and we will find out exactly what's going on. But right now I don't have a, the foggiest. You're not really just going to give the title to Andy Murray right now, are you, Simon? Kind of. I mean, uh, who's, who's, who's been anywhere near him in the first uh, three days? Yeah, three days, Simon. There's, a, there's another 11 to go. He's got, to, he's got to win six more matches, for goodness sake. No, no, but he couldn't have played any better, could he? And uh, he couldn't have looked more controlled. Uh, and at the moment, the, the rest of the pack, I mean, we just lost the, the third favourite, but didn't we? Wasn't Ranić third favourite coming in? Well, he was up there, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's an interesting one. He, he's out, and he will take no further part. We'll find out how Rafael Nadal gets on in the evening session. I'll come back after that's finished and bring you up to date. And here I am. So, Rafael Nadal did indeed go through, pretty straightforwardly really, against Andres Seppi, but there was one significant talking point uh, during the match, which I'll tell you about in just a moment. But Garbina Muguruza is the highest-seeded player so far to go out of the US Open on a day that Milos Raonic also lost with uh, all those difficulties in the heat and cramping and so forth. Muguruza lost today in the night session just before Nadal went on to the court against Andrea Sevastova, a player that has taken two years out of the game because uh, she kind of lost her way. She'd had injury problems and decided she didn't want to play anymore and has come back onto the circuit and had this most wonderful win in straight sets. But it does rather ask questions about Garbinia Magarutha, whose rough run continues. She has not won too many matches since winning the French Open, lost early at Wimbledon, and has now lost very early at the US Open. So Magarutha is out. Nadal, though, was dominant. He won the first seven games of his match against Andres Seppi, who's a very good player. But the talking point from the night, what it will always be remembered for the Wednesday night of the US Open in 2016, was the moment that the roof button was pressed for the first time. And it was such a significant moment that the USTA immediately released the following statement. The retractable roof over Arthur Ashe Stadium was activated for the first time during the second round match featuring Rafael Nadal and Andreas Seppi. Play was suspended at 10.38 and 58 seconds Eastern Standard Time and play resumed at 10.46 and 20 seconds. Total suspension of play was 7 minutes and 22 seconds. The roof closed in 5 minutes and 35 seconds. The closing occurred prior to Nadal serving at three games all in the second set. Nadal won the first set six love. Rafael Nadal has the distinction of hitting the first practice and match ball under a closed roof in the Arthur Ashe Stadium. So if Nadal wasn't going to be remembered for anything else, and let's face it, there's plenty to remember the guy by, having won 14 Grand Slam titles, Davis Cup, Olympic gold, and been number one for countless weeks, he is always going to be the bloke who had the roof close above him during a match for the very first time. 
So that pretty much wrapped up the evening session. Uh, it was a straightforward win for Nadal in straight sets. So he moves onwards. And uh, I should also mention a fabulous win earlier on today for Caroline Wozniacki, former world number one, US Open finalist of a couple of years ago. And she had been before as well uh, in 2009, I think it was. And she was up against Svetlana Kuznetsova, who's won one of these things. And Kuznetsova came out blazing in this match, went four love up, love 30 as well on Wozniacki serve and the Dane probably taking advantage a little bit of some erratic play from the Russian but still Caroline Wozniacki played fantastic tennis to come back and this is a woman who's really struggled this year she's had countless injury problems and she's gone down to world number 74 the form has gone and suddenly it is back great to see Caroline Wozniacki playing good tennis once more Um, we should also just uh, draw your attention to some of the highlights of tomorrow's schedule. Thursday's order of play is out and on the Arthur Stadium it features Simona Halep against Lucy Safarova to start off. Then Andy Murray will be in action. That'll be at about 6pm UK time, 1 o'clock in the afternoon in New York. He's up against Marcel Granoyes of Spain. Player he usually beats. He shouldn't have too many problems. And then we have uh, Yulia Gergas against Venus Williams. That could be close because Gergas hits a big ball if she's on a game and Venus Williams needs no introduction. The evening session will be Serena Williams against Vanya King and then how about this for a humdinger of a match Steve Johnson of the United States the American number one at the moment is going to be up against Juan Martin Del Potro under the lights and I dare say we might see one or two tears once more from the big Argentine win or lose because he'll be back on the biggest stage where he won the US Open title in 2009 on the Louis Armstrong court there's Kane Ishikori playing there's Agnieszka Radvanska against Naomi Brody of Great Britain who's uh, going to be on court we reckon about ooh, 6 o'clock in the evening same sort of time as Andy Murray uh, we've got Suarez Navarro taking on Jankovic Stan Wawrinka will play on the Louis Armstrong court later on in the evening and uh, one or two others. Nick Kyrgios will play on the new grandstand court. Dare say he's going to like it out there, Kyrgios, his kind of place. That'll be the last match on the grandstand court, you know, late evening, well, late afternoon, early evening. And uh, just a note as well on Dan Evans of Great Britain, who's in second round action. And this is an exciting one. He's fourth on court number five against Alexander Zverev. That will be worth watching, I can assure you. There's plenty to watch. There's plenty to enjoy. We hope you enjoy it, whether you're watching on Eurosport or ESPN, I suppose, in the US. If you're listening on BBC Radio 5 Live in the UK, which I'll be commentating on, and 5 Live Sports Extra, or maybe if you are able to attend yourself and actually see some of these matches at the US Open. And then, of course, listen to the tennis podcast afterwards. We'll try to record another one tomorrow night. But for now, thanks for listening. We'll speak to you soon. 
ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.